Today on The Breakdown, no funny opening today. It's all business all the time today. I've got my suit on. I'm wearing a hat, but it's a business hat. They make those at like Brooks Brothers. It's a Brooks Brothers business hat. <laughs> and we've got, we've got people who have had issues with us in the past actually playing this hand now that I think about it. Dana Negreanu and Matt Berkey are in this hand. And they both have had, you know, to differing levels, a little bit of a thing. I'm going to say a little bit of a thing with us. And uh, I don't know if they still exist, these things, or these people. Matt Berkey and Dan Grano may no longer exist. They may have blinked out of existence. They may have (laughs) been snapped out of existence like Thanos was involved. I don't know what's happening right now. We're going to play a hand (laughs) between these guys. Uh... 100, 200 grand? Is that right? 200, 400 grand? 200, 400 cash game with these guys. It's big time. Dan Smith is in this hand as well. And uh, I'll just say this. Everybody's bluffing. Nobody's got anything. And uh, woo-wee. It's, uh, let's put in a lot of money with nothing. What do we? Let's try that. Let's see what happens then. Who can out-bluff the other? Can it be the tall guy or the Canadian? I don't know. <laughs> Let's do it all in the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey, first time we find that next to the body. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore about anything. That was. I was like, I'm just going to do a straight opening. That was how I started. Oh, yeah. That was, that's what that turned into. <laughs> real, straight, real straight opening. Yeah. Well, as soon as I tell everyone I'm doing a straight opening, it's never going to be straight. Right? So how, do, how do we accomplish a straight opening? We talk about it beforehand. I have to like really somberly and convincingly tell you like it's really important mm. to do a straight opening this time for whatever reason. And then, and then you actually have to execute. I'm going to do it soon. Not this time. But soon. Because it'll be like an anti-meme. It'll be like a joke without a joke. You know what I mean? If I just do a very straight, non-funny, non-weird opening and just never talk about it, you know? Just like not not be meta with it, not be anything, not laugh. Just give a little cold open teaser and get to the... Uh, the bridge. I'm, cur- I'm curious if you can actually pull it off. I think I can. <laughs> but I'm like the little train that could and he didn't always make it. He, he couldn't. Yeah. Sometimes the little train can't. Yeah. He didn't make it. Little train that can't. Now that's a book I'd read. Yeah, because you like the darkness. Yeah, I do. I want people to fail. Thomas the the tank engine needs a dark ending. (laughs) (laughs) I need to see the innards of Big Bird during Sesame Street. I need to see him on as a GI in Vietnam, just destroyed. Like that's what I need. Yeah, but but I don't want to see him die in Vietnam. I want to see him come home and face the darkness. (laughs) Right, right. No, he comes. (laughs) He he realizes he's killed many many people. He doesn't even know how many because of, you know, right. the distance and the explosions. How many, how many kids were even in that school when I yeah. threw the grenade in there? Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it haunts him and he slowly descends into darkness and gets whatever big beard gets on his face when he doesn't shave for a while. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's dark. Yeah. And it does not end with him making it. It does not end that way. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Private Parts? It's the Howard Stern oh. movie. No, I just I recognize the cover in my head of like him as a giant in New York or whatever. Like that's what the cover. Oh, that's the right, that's yeah. right. So I've seen that movie a bunch. Actually, that's a really it's a quite a good movie. 
And uh, I'm not kidding. Really? Like, that's not a joke. It's, yeah, it's quite would, good. He it's, said I'm not kidding because I was looking at him like, yeah. are you serious right now? Yeah, like you would think I was joking, I understand. Um, it's autobiographical, and it's, it's, it's really, it's quite good. And the moment where he sort of becomes Howard Stern is he's got his show. He's got Robin Quivers, the person, woman who's still with him now. She was just doing the news. She was the new news person. And he was always fucking with the news people, and they didn't like it and couldn't handle it. And so he could never find a partner to, like, vibe with. And this is her, at least according to the movie... Uh, her first day. And he starts talking about how when he was in Vietnam that, you know, he had like something like 80 confirmed kills or something like that. But he really didn't think that was right. And he really didn't think that was fair. Um, Because when you throw an explosive into uh, a building, like a school with a bunch of kids, they only give you one kill for that. And he needs to get credit for every single child who died. And uh, Robin Quivers is going to say like, you weren't even born when Vietnam happened, you know? So it's clear he's joking, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, there was something about that where it's like he, like, figured out, like, oh, this is the edge I can be on, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, now I think he then took it to many other places, even in the movie he does, where it becomes a little lower brow, shall we say? Sure. But, um, but that, just what we're saying right now, just reminded me of that a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. Darkness. You got to embrace the darkness. Got to embrace the darkness, man. Seriously, if you want to impress Jonathan Levy, if, if, <laughs> if you're a movie producer and your only goal is to impress Jonathan Levy for whatever reason. There could be reasons. Maybe, maybe he becomes the richest man in the world by selling T-shirts with his face on it. Possibly. It could happen. I've been thinking about that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good idea to make it so nothing works out for the hero ever. Right. Like it, things go poorly and it's not no happy endings. Jonathan yes. wants pain and suffering, and that's Here, all. Here's a great example to me of a really good movie because it, it does versions of what you're saying, but also if you're not paying close attention, you don't realize it's as dark as it is and it's White Men Can't Jump. Hmm. White Men Can't Jump, I think people think of as this like really fun movie you know, about hu- basketball hustlers, and I think they would all, without thinking about it, would say it was a happy ending. It's really not a happy ending. Woody Harrelson never changes at all. He's always a gambling addict to the point where Rosie Perez leaves him at the end because he's, he can't change. And even at the very end, even after she leaves, he like needs to find action and needs to bet his whole bankroll on something that he probably can't win because he just can't help himself. And, but, it's, but the movie is, is wearing the clothes of a normal, like more rom-com-y type thing. It's really kind of brilliant. Hmm, I see. Love that movie. I don't even remember the ending, but I do remember enjoying the movie. She goes on Jeopardy and wins. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he's immediately trying to talk her into, oh, she gives him some money with some, to like go buy some nice clothes so he can get a job, and he goes and immediately gambles it and loses it. And he comes back and is explaining why it happened the way it did. You know, He's always got his reasons. And, she, uh, and now he's saying he just needs a little more of the money now so he can win it back. And she like kisses him and roller skates away. And it's clear she's not coming back, but he doesn't really get that she's not coming back. But we get it at the audience if we're not caught up in this. Everything always has a happy ending thing. It's, it's really cool. It's, it's a little more subtle than a lot of these other, these other movies. But yeah, Woody Harrison has this thing. His arc is he doesn't change. And because we expect change so much in these types of movies, it's extra impactful, I think. Mm. It's beautiful. I see. They're remaking that movie. I don't know why. It's perfect. Marquise Johnson is in that movie. Who's that? <laughs> He's an ex-NBA player who um, is not a good actor, but was in one of the pickup basketball scenes. He's the guy who, something happens, he's like, I'm going to go get my gun. And everyone starts running. He goes and actually gets his gun. And like that actually used to happen. I think he actually used to do that for real, like in pickup games, when you get angry. And I think that was like a real thing. Sounds like a reasonable response to losing at basketball. Yeah, you know. I think, you know, someone disagreed with a call or something. Anyway, that's enough for like 80s movies day. That was like 94. 
Was it that late? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, it was, it was definitely 90s. God, that movie's good. You know, one other quick fun fact about that. Um, Woody Harrelson, pretty good at basketball, as it turns out. Wesley Snipes, absolutely terrible at basketball. Really? Horrible. You, if you watch, you can see he can't even really dribble. Like, they have to cut it very carefully. Yeah, even then, they can't. That, that seems a bit familiar. His dribble's really high, and he can't really control it. And, like, Woody Harrelson's got a pr- is pretty smooth and, like, really can hit a bunch of those shots. And it's, it's cool. I mean, Woody Harrelson can do anything, right? It seems like Woody Harrelson can do anything, and he has looked almost the same for like the last forty he years. He looks he looks significantly older. He's sixty. Point. Of course, he looks a little yeah. bit older. Like, give me a break. Yeah. He's sixty. Yeah, he was he's, on Cheers. He's in a new movie that just came out, I think, today or yesterday, called The Man from Toronto with Kevin Hart. I don't know anything about it, and I won't be seeing it. He's in Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too. That's right. Which are he's the only good thing in those movies. There's nothing good about all right, those movies. All right, all right. I mean, I haven't seen the second one, but there's nothing good. Hey, about Hey, hey, Isla Fisher's in the first one. You, you keep. All your right, I forgot that that's your, your your secret love. She's one of them. <laughs> but Sasha Baron Cohen is so much better than you. I know. Lizzie Kaplan's in the second one. That's not bad either. <laughs> I, all, of, I, all of Jonathan's celebrity cr- yeah, crushes like, are. They keep replacing it with the right. They do the only the only good thing about the now you see me movies is that Jonathan's celebrity crushes are in them, including Jesse. Hey, Eisenberg. come on! It's all Jesse <laughs> It's um. It's also about magic and magic tricks, which in theory is cool. Like, it is that could theoretically be cool, except that it's actually about literal magic sometimes, but not always. Even though the. We've, I'm sure we've done rants on this shit I'm before. Sure. I, I know we have. I haven't seen the second one, but I know in the first one that like a lot of the big time tricks they do are like that's just actual magic. These are actual wizards. There's um like, there's a video that I have seen by Leo Vader on uh, on YouTube, which I think that I think it's called "Are the Magicians in Now You See Me Actually Wizards?" And he actually like goes into it and you know gives lots of examples, and it's really funny and great and. The answer is usually it's impossible to, like you're saying, usually those, these tricks are physically impossible to do. Like there's no way that person could be there and then there. There's just, there's no world where that could ever happen. Lots of things. Like here's a bit where Lizzie, ha- where Isla Fisher's head falls off or Lizzie Kaplan's head falls off just out of nowhere. <laughs> like, yeah. and that's like the trick, but what? She was just there. Like her head is no longer on her body. Like, and now she's fine again. Like stuff like that. Yeah, I know that you love it when they jump off the building and turn into money. Yeah, but that's a great one. That's a great example of this. I think there's a bit too where Jesse Eisenberg like <laughs> just think about that sentence. <laughs> you love it when they jump off the building and turn into money. Yeah, I think there's a bit where like Jesse Eisenberg maybe like falls into like a pool of water and disip- like into like a puddle and like falls through it as if and then just is gone like somehow. Yeah, that doesn't make any. It's sense. It's more either. of a Harry Potter movie than a than right. a magician movie. It's also got. The, the, I mean, here we go. Like, Mark Ruffalo is the cop who's chasing them, but is also the guy who is working with them, but they don't know he's working with them, but he's like the guy behind all the, the tricks. Why is he chasing them so hard? He's doing a really good job chasing them and, figuring, and getting in their way and stopping them. If he just didn't try so hard, they would have no problem doing the plan that think, he's got them doing. I think you know why. I mean... When Ruffalo commits, <laughs> it's full bore. Yeah, he's always angry. Yeah. That's a... That's a a cool reference I yeah. just did. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Do you get it? Do you get it? Nobody's seen that indie movie that you're it's talking the about. the Avengers. I know. <laughs> oh. Oh, really? Jesus. Oh, God, Learn I to be fucked I with. didn't know you were that good. I didn't know you were that good. Yes, you Grant. did. No, no, no. Not that good. Well, now you see That's me. That's a different level. Now you, you see me. That's good, too. Oh, you're on fire. Kid's I, on fire, Here's people. the deal. I'm always on fire. You've just never seen it before. <laughs> with your true eyes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, I want to talk about something else from the opening. Great. Business hats. I know, right? That used to be a thing. Like, think about Al Capone. Did Al Capone wear a hat, though? People wore hats. Oh, no, you're right. They, they all wore, but men always, it wasn't business. Men just wore hats until JFK didn't. You know, that's what it was. JFK at his inauguration didn't wear a hat, and it was a huge deal in the United States, and suddenly men stopped wearing hats. Check out this picture of Al Capone. He's got a hat and a suit. He does. But that's because everyone wore a hat. So I guess you had a business hat in yeah. a regular, yeah. I mean, that's not a hat that you wear with a t-shirt. That's a suit yeah, hat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, business hats. They were a thing. How crazy is it that men just all wore hats? And then suddenly they were like, oh, we don't have to wear hats anymore? This is great. You, <laughs> you know, know, a lot of people of say FDR is one of the greatest presidents in history. Right. But that's the beginning of the fall of civilization when men stopped wearing hats it, with suits. It was JFK, not oh, FDR. JFK. Different oh, guy. Different three letters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the F. The F is Yeah, so F. FDR is safe. He's still great. Yeah. JFK, eh, maybe don't get shot. Maybe wear a hat next time. Wow. I like presidents who don't get assassinated, yeah. says Grant. I Unbelievable. Mean, maybe if you wore a hat. Made of steel. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been harder to hit him in the head, though. They might have, like, over... Uh, yeah. Whoever was shooting, I'm not claiming I know who it was, uh, might have missed a little more often. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you should have thought about that. It, this is how you, it, It's been long enough we can make these jokes, you know? It's it really, really... No one's going to get upset about these jokes. That's so nice. I know the whole, the, the whole formula is tragedy plus time equals humor. Correct. Right? But that's not really true... There, there's an extra element to that formula, which is the volume of the tragedy or the severity of the tragedy. Sure. Because I'm pretty sure Holocaust jokes are still not super chill, and that was before JFK. That is true. They are not super chill. Um, part of it is because it's about a group of people being discriminated against who still often are dis- discriminated against. So it makes oh, yeah, the and joke- presidents aren't still assassinated. It's attempts. a little different, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's a piece of it too. Um, I would say that 9-11 jokes are probably more common than Holocaust jokes at this point. Now, yeah. a lot more people died in the Holocaust, but it's not about wait, not about once you're in the thousands, I don't think it's any different. Yeah, there. people aren't good at large numbers. Um, but so. I, I think like 21 years later, like you can make a 9-11 joke and get away with it. Pretty much. I think it's pretty, pretty it's close, man. Really? I mean, there's too many people who are still directly affected alive. Um, that is true. But, you know, we're on the West Coast, so we don't see too many. Of them. I was in, you know, I was on the East Coast when it happened. And so, and then I moved to New York not long after. So actually, I knew people who knew people and stuff like that for sure. Actually, a friend of mine, um, one of her coworkers was working at NPR and was there when it happened and watched someone standing on the ground. And one of the first people who jumped landed on the person. In front of them. Wow. And both people, of course, died. Doesn't seem right like, in front of them. It doesn't seem like a great thing to joke about. Can you? No, I would never joke about that. Oh, my God. Isn't yeah. that horrific? So Can you imagine being that person? I cannot. I think we should dive more into this. because it's Really? A, the, the tragedy plus time thing. Okay. Because I, I find it's interesting. Because it, I, I, I think it's just totally wrong, right? Like, the, Maybe. The JFK thing is a tragedy. That's yep. like, most people would agree that's a tragedy. Of course. But the Holocaust is also a tragedy. So if just being categorically a tragedy doesn't mean it's the same amount of time before like, I don't think anyone said any tragedy plus a certain amount of time makes it funny. Yeah, though. that's true. You just sort of decided that, right? Okay, but that's what it sounds like, sort of. No, it's just a very general guideline, yeah. which is like the way you really make a, the funniest joke is you find something that was once tragic, but now it's been long enough that you can... Right. This is the kind of thing, contextually, you can make jokes about, and the audience won't be upset and won't be as offended and can find the humor in it. And now with that darkness piece, too... That's where you're really going to find the best stuff. Well, some things I don't think we'll ever have a time when you can make jokes about it. Like, you can make jokes about stuff that's really, really old, really, really old, like the the Mongols invading China and yeah. and Eastern Europe. 
Like, that was a huge tragedy for that part of the world, but you can make Mongol jokes about that time period now. There are certain kinds of Hitler jokes you can make. Certain kinds, But yeah. there's, I mean, so when I was at uh, grad school, I was the editor-in-chief of a uh, sarcastic newspaper. Mm-hmm. Like, a fun, like our version of The Onion, basically, right? This yeah, is, so like a bad version of The Onion. Y- y- sure. Yeah. Like, it was 20 years ago. Um, it was popular, but yes, of course, it was not The Onion. And, um, and so I was also the main writer, and so we put out, I think, four issues. And every issue, I made a Hitler joke. Because you just wanted to be subversive? No, I thought it was really funny. It huh. just, I made different funny. Well, I thought they were really funny. And you know, for me, tragedy plus time and all that. And I thought it, like, that was great. And I, it took the fourth issue before they finally let me put one in. Like They fought every single one super hard. And I finally figured out a way to get it in there. You know, And it was like, they were like, okay, that, one, that one's okay. Like, yeah. People aren't going to be upset about that one. And, and in fact, no one was upset. But and it was a good joke. It's a good joke. So there are some things that you can't make a joke of in polite company that are even older than the Mongols. For example? Jesus. People make jokes about Jesus all the time. Yes, but certain people will get offended no matter what. That's going to be true no matter I about guess anything. So. I, I mean, guess we're, so. talking, we're talking about bigger groups of yeah. people. Like, of course, you like, there's always going to be someone who's upset. I mean, we live in Portland. I mean, there's someone who's going to be upset about anything. You could say that about anywhere. Of course, yeah. but more so in Portland than not. Don't 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 defend Portland in terms of that. I'm like, going to have on. to disagree. Um, y- what? Now this is getting pretty localized. Yeah, we are. But Jonathan is referring to like Portland you know what is, I'm to, you know what I'm referring to. Yeah, it's like is among the places that would have the most what people would call SJWs in the world. That is correct. Um, Social but, justice warriors for people. But who it's are, also the most so. But there's the fewest people would get offended by the Jesus jokes though. In of course, because it's like the most atheistic city. A hundred percent, but. But we had people in this city get offended and even try and shut down, for example, um, food carts and restaurants of certain cuisines that were not being made by the people who of yeah. that country. Right, right, right. They're like calling it cultural appropriation, but which... What, all I'm saying is... Craziness. Yes, I agree. I just want a good, I just want a good euro. I don't care who makes it. Just give me a good euro, baby. I agree. I don't care if it's a Greek person making yeah. the euro. I agree. No one should care about that. Go on. We don't have to get on that. Too late. Stuff, but... <laughs> My, I, I think you're only seeing it this one way because yeah. you're close to it. Like, you, you can talk about like, I don't know, what's the, some large city in the south that is like super religious, and you might look at it the other way. Of course, and yes. So, but so, why are you saying Portland is more that way? Portland has a strong concentration of people who often get offended by many things that a lot of other people do not get offended by. True or false? I think it's a loud minority. Okay. Yeah. But a but a, a bigger minority than. Almost any other city is going to have a right. most people. But you could make Jesus jokes. That's but, not what I'm saying. But you're not listening to what I'm saying. I, no, I'm totally hearing what you're saying. Okay. Of course you can make Jesus jokes and piss off certain other groups in other cities. Yeah. Yes, of course I agree with that. Obviously that's true. But Portland is an example of one of the cities where that's going to be more true than it's going to than for many other cities. I don't see how you can agree, what I'm saying disagree is, with that. What I'm saying is you're going to get... An equivalent or more people pissed off in the religious cities than you are in Portland overall by jokes on both sides. Fine. So that's all I was saying. Great. Cool. <laughs> I don't know why, why we had to do this. Why do we have to go down this path? You made us. No, you made us. You, you made, made us. us. This is entirely your fault. And I know all the listeners agree. You know whose fault it is? Yes. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were going to say that. Yeah. See, you can make Jesus jokes. <laughs> I, yeah, you, well, you know, at least a, a small percentage of the listeners were probably offended by that. No, if they were, it's it, going to keep happening. <laughs> so just know that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Enough. Let's let's get out of this horrible 
cul-de-sac we've been trapped in. No, let's do more, man. It was we going could, fine for a while. We're talking about business hats. Yeah, that was great. That's how we got here. <laughs> I, I, get, I thought I came up with the idea of business hats when I first said I thought that was a brand new idea, but then you were right. Of course, Al Capone and company used to wear business, businessy like, hats. Because like, you know, nine, eight, maybe, I don't really know how old business hats are. They go back to like maybe 1880 or so, and then up to like 1940, something like that. I mean, I don't know. Like, were they wearing business hats in 1800? First of all, I don't know why you're getting 1940 from. Like, when JFK didn't wear a hat is when everyone realized they didn't have to wear a hat. So until okay. then, every, all men wore hats all the time. All right, so 1960 then. Yeah. Right. Okay. So good. And I don't know, where did you get 1880 from? I'm, I, that, that one I'm not sure of. Oh, so you just invented but that? There's, there's like a starting point <laughs> of the business hat. Probably, there yeah. Was, Genghis Khan wasn't wearing the freaking business hat. Right. Maybe. Oh, he wore a helmet. Maybe for him that was. That, that is actually, you know hat. what? You know what? You know what? That's yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> Military isn't a good example, though. They no. always have to wear hats. Yeah, that's not a business hat. A business hat is uh, unnecessary accoutrement. Yeah, and you're like a businessman. Yeah. So in the... I mean, let's not do this anymore. We could do this... I mean, come on. What are we doing? We're doing business hats. <laughs> what is it? What do you think we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is the time when I apologize to the listeners. Not all listeners. Just, just you know who you are. Those guys. Yeah. We, we're sorry to you. Yeah. Everyone else, you know, welcome, welcome along, and we're glad to have you for the ride. We usually don't go into this level of whatever the hell we just did. But, you know, that's the thing about this show. Yeah. It could be anything. I hope it was entertaining. Was it entertaining? I don't know. I'm really not this sure. This is the deal, man. This is why it's pure. You right. just let it happen. Right. It is like hanging out with us, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know about those other podcast hosts and what they're doing, but, like, if you were just sitting here and we weren't recording, you might have heard the same thing. Like that, that very that conversation could might have gone almost exactly the same way. We're almost word for word, right? The, the, the only difference is we had to grab all the material from whatever randomness came out of your mouth in the opening, which would have right. Been that's true. Yeah, that is true. But that's it. Yeah. And you know, certainly we could have started talking about business hats anyway. Besides so, that, so we got the Mongols, we got business hats, we got Jesus, Portland, we got SJWs, Portland versus <laughs> other cities. <laughs> How disagreeable the, the populace is, essentially. Yeah, um, that was a lot. Good work. Yeah, a lot of good work there. We didn't. We didn't even touch on the the feuds with the players in the hand. Oh, right, because Negrano and Berkey are in this hand. I guess that, they both hate us. They, that draws us closer to the hand. They do not hate. And us. I would guess that most listeners would be like, "What do you mean Negrano hates you?" Negrano does not hate us. Berkey might actually hate us. It's possible Berkey hates us. I don't know. Hate is a strong word. Yeah. I would guess he doesn't feel great about us. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. He makes like a, a face when he thinks about us. It's like, ah, poker guy. Ah, like that. Yeah. He's a pirate. Yeah, a little bit of a pirate. Um, you're only thinking, you're referring to Negranu like just we interviewed him and then he didn't like what happened. It wasn't even, he didn't like what we, it isn't even, yes. So like after we did the Negranu interview like in 2016, he said some, Inflammatory things. Thank you. About and, Helmuth and about Mattisau. Right. And so we were like, hey, Daniel, we're just going to take some of these inflammatory things that you do and like do press releases about them because we want to like draw attention. And he was very much against that. We did not do it then. No, like, of course we showed we him what we were going to do, but he didn't like that. I don't think he has any dislike of us. He probably doesn't even remember us. He does this sh- shit every time. Yeah. He does this. I'm sure he has no idea who we are at this point, but um, he was actually very friendly to us leading up to that too and did a lot of nice things for yeah. us. So. I don't think he has any any issue with this at all. No. So you just made that up. Yeah, it's fun to say that. You're though. just you're just but you're just, Berkey, like, you're just like every other podcast host, just fucking lying about the, baby. about the magnitude of it's shit. It's all about the clicks. Yeah. Click, 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 click. 
Yeah, that's why we have to have more, but we got to escalate this Berkey feud for more clicks. It's it's kind of died down to embers, you know. There's know. there hasn't been any activity recently. Well, this maybe this podcast will do something if we if we make fun of him enough and say he did a bad enough. Because I'll tell you what, I know he's listening to this one. <laughs> I don't, he, might, he might have stopped by now. He might have probably not. Like how, how many times does he have to listen to know that you're going to say something disparaging about his play? Like, he doesn't care anymore. Well, he probably Oh, does. yeah, he doesn't care anymore. That's believable. I guess he cared before. <laughs> he cared a huge amount before. Yeah. Almost a weird amount, I would say, you for would someone say. he thought. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's not do it. Um, anyway, we don't actually have any issue with Matt Berkey, except for the fact that he's an issue with us, I think it's fair to say, right? Correct. At least for me. Um, Grant likes to say he really likes Matt Berkey. I wouldn't go that far for myself, but I certainly don't have an issue with him in any way. I, okay. I don't like how he reacted to his play being criticized. Yeah, I don't either. But when I've met him and hung out oh. and like and been in the same spot with him and stuff, he was a friendly guy. It was nice to be around. 100% yeah. super friendly. Super friendly. And when he did that interview with us, actually, he was super cool, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, enough. Let's, let's do this. Okay. $200, $400 game. Okay, fine. This was suggested by Leo Chen on Discord. That's sure. a great place to suggest hands. There's even a place called Suggest Hands that you can go, and that's pretty easy to figure out. You can also do it on Twitter. We're the poker guys on Twitter. Leo Chen's making a nice little run for uh, like uh, potential all-star selection with yeah. uh, his suggestions lately. He's doing a good job. Well, good, good for him. Yeah. You know, Andrew Wiggins, all-star. Right, and you know, wants a max contract extension now yeah, and course. may get it. Yeah, well, now, now we're doing basketball. Real crazy. Yeah, okay, right. We're doing this other All thing. right, so Leo Chen suggested, uh, please suggest hands. We like hands. Please. That's the, the whole podcast revolves around hands and also us talking randomly about stuff. All right, so $200, $400, dollars cash game. Daniel Negron, who's on the button, it has folded to him. He's got 10 six, ten six of spades and $90,000. Yeah. He opens to one k. That seems fine. It does, especially in light, even more so with our... Last podcast we did um, with Matt Matros, where he was talking about how you're just supposed to open so much suited stuff, especially. I mean, yeah. he was even talking about under the gun because we. I know we were referring not to for this hand, Jason but. Kuhn opening under the gun. It was probably not nine handed. It was probably eight or seven handed. But he opened under the gun with ten seven of clubs, and Matros was like, "Oh yeah, definitely." No, actually, what he said was ten eight is definite, oh, yeah, yeah, and ten yeah, seven right. is close, and he's not sure. He doesn't know, but. Uh, I, I think we'd all assume if Kuhn's doing it, it probably is fine, right? Yeah. Usually. But that's shocking to me that that could be fine. Right. So and anyway, 10-6 suited on the button. Like, sure. I would have never questioned this open on the button. Right. There's no, no, I wouldn't either. So Berkey is in the small blind. Hey, let's start questioning plays. Yes. Jonathan gets are to question Are we going to question Matt. a Matt Berkey play? I know you are. I know you don't like this play. You don't know anything yet. I, I saw this play happen. I was like, I definitely like that play better than Jonathan does. Jonathan is yeah. not going to like that play. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Berkey has 54,000 in his stack. Yeah. He's the effective stack between the two. He has queen 10 off, queen of spades, 10 of clubs in the small blind, and he's going to flat. Yeah. Go ahead. Do your thing, Levy. Um, well, here's the question I have, actually. Uh, the first question is, do we think we're ever getting a three bet through when Negrano opens the button? It feels like not very often, right? Some t- I mean, he's going to have some handsy folds. He has to have some, but he's going to have like offsuit king high type hands. He's not like folding this hand, right? Probably not, unless maybe we make it like fifty five hundred. We're never making it fifty five hundred. Like we're gonna make it four thousand, right? Probably. And he's gonna call. It's because he's standing on the He's on the button, and we're barely deep enough that he's like. I mean, we're really not. But I, my guess is he's just not gonna fold ten six. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he would. But because um, Berkey only has fifty four k. I would. Yeah. So stack to pot is already not great for this hand. Um, I would be concerned that we we aren't getting enough folds out of Daniel. That um a three bet may not be good, and then this is a pretty bad hand to do it with. 
if we're not getting any folds. So then I guess the question becomes, yes. is it a call or a fold? That's right. That's the next question. To me, it's an obvious call if those are the only two options. Um, I think it's a fine call. I don't know if I agree that it's obvious, but I think it's fine. So something we've talked about recently, actually yeah. you brought it up in a recent hand we did with uh, Garrett against Jackie, mm-hmm. when Garrett three-bet the king jack of spades out of the small blind was the depolarization of range in cash games because people aren't folding to three bets. So you just yes. kind of like three bet for value with, with pretty good hands. Yes. Right? King Jack of Spades was, fit the bill. It was good enough. Yep. I don't know if Queen 10 off does fit the bill. I don't think it does. So folding just feels like incredibly nitty and wrong. And, you know, it, it, this is a hand that plays reasonably well post-flop against a range that we're doing okay against. Um, yeah, I don't know if I agree that it's, it's nitty and wrong. I'm not sure. Um, if he had folded this, I wouldn't think, like, what the hell is he doing? I guess you would. I really wouldn't I, I think wouldn't, that. I wouldn't think, what the hell is he doing? I'm just trying to figure out what's the best of yeah. the options. Um, I mean, playing at a position with a hand that isn't suited is, you know, can get us in some trouble. We are up against the button range, which is good, of course. If we were in the big blind, we'd always call. This is the thing that I have to come back to is, like, like if we're in the big blind, we're 100% calling. Of course. Hand, right? So With some three bets mixed in, probably, if we're going to Maybe a little bit of that, sure. But so, like, that's only $100 more. Now, granted, the big blind's still the act, so we're letting that guy in, and we don't close the action, and they now can sometimes squeeze. Like, Dan Smith's in the big blind. He probably is squeezing sometimes. Yeah. This is not a hand we can continue with if he squeezes. No. Um, so, we're, so we sort of, like, open ourselves up to that play a little bit, too. But probably you're right that when all is said and done, this can be a fine call, and that's that. You know, probably you're right. If you're looking to depolarize your range in a cash game that plays the way that we're describing, where people just aren't folding the three bets, what's the against the button open? What's the cutoff of hands that you three bet for value depolarized? Um, I'm wondering if we can. I think we could probably get away with queen jack suited and king ten suited. Yeah, those are the two. Yeah, that to me are the, seem feel like the floor. What, what do about you think? king ten off? Uh, I don't want to, man. I feel like because all the worst kings are going to fold, and we don't. And like office really suited, different the than suited ones will call in these types of yeah. Scenarios. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, huh? I don't want to do it. I want. I. I. I don't want to do it with king ten off. King ten off is pretty ugly. So you're going to fold king ten off and call with queen ten off. You're going to call with king ten off too. Right. Ugh. I mean, I'm probably going to... Right, if we think they're always calling the three bet, so we can't get it through. I mean, they're not opening always, a lot. but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some ridiculously yeah. high percentage of the time they're calling the three bet. So we don't think we have enough fold equity to make this, and we don't want to turn it into a bluff and do any of that. Um, I guess we mostly have to call with King-10 off in the small blind. I don't like it. I don't like calling with Queen-10 off in the small blind either, but, but I don't think it's crazy. I think it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think folding just is, like, too nitty. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel... it. Uh, I mostly want to. I mostly don't want to call here. My 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 internal self. I mean, like as we talk it through, I really feel that there's logic to calling. Don't get me wrong, but like you're conditioned through like yeah five years of the the meta game telling you that you have to three bet out of the small blind if you're going to enter the pot. Well, also these are not hands you really like calling with. Like if someone opened in middle position, um, I wouldn't call the, with these hands no. if I hadn't put any money. And so why am I calling out of position with these hands? Because I have a hundred dollars in there already. Like, or $200 it's in there because of the range of the opener. Yeah. That is why. Yeah, that is why. That's true. 
<sighs> it's it's crappy though. I, I mean, hate it. I, I want to just fold. I know. I, like, th- I think I would just fold. These when we're guys. talking about Berkey and Negreanu, it wouldn't be reasonable for Berkey to assume he had any sort of large edge, right? Even though he maybe he does, but he probably doesn't think that he has a large edge over Negreanu. I doubt it. Right. So. I don't know. I don't know. He may think he's like, you know, streets ahead against all these players. He might. I don't know. But my point is like um, what I'm trying to get to is something about the discussion with Matros kind of opened something up for me mentally, which is like kind of the Mizraki feeling of like, maybe I should just be playing so many hands when I'm at these tables. Uh, And if I'm playing one, two or, or five, five or something, and it's like these people don't really know what they're doing. Like, why would I not put money in the pot? when we're deep, when we can play post-flop yes. with a hand that... Like, why not expand the amount of combos? Like, yes. add combos to my playing, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I Okay, my guess is that Berkey thinks, without knowing, of course, he thinks he probably is ahead of Negranu in terms of a lot... At least in terms of certain mechanics of the game. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I actually doubt it's true. It doesn't matter. It only matters what he perceives. Right. Um, I'm just saying for the Daniel Negreanu stands out there, like, right. I'm not saying Berkey is this way. I'm just saying... But I think he probably does perceive it that way. He probably thinks he's right on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff. And truth be told, he does a lot of things that, at least in the past, I don't understand why the fuck he's yeah. doing it. I don't know if he does either, but I certainly don't. Um, so, so then that, maybe you're right. Maybe that's part of it is just like, I'm looking to play pots here. I remember there was a, um, a poker after dark hand, cash game hand. Negrano opened the cutoff, and Phil Galfon was on the button. They were deep as hell. He called with King 8 off on the button. Yes. Yes, that's right. Right? And it was clearly just, we're deep, I have position, and I think I'm better than you are. Right? And he did get good value with the I mean, King it, 8. It may not even be that he thinks yes, he's better. It's just that he thinks, like... I range, think I'm good enough. And range-wise, this hand is, is good in this spot against your range. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just interesting. Like, I remember being shocked that Phil Galfon called there. Even now, it's sort of crazy to think that he called with King 8 off. Um, yeah, I remember Negreanu was like trying to figure out what hands was beating him, and he came up with a whole bunch, and then called, and he's like, "Oh, or King Eight, yeah, yeah, King Eight beats me too." And he clearly was like, "What the hell is happening? How can you have King Eight? You know? Yeah. Speaking of King Eight, that's also a hand that we we were like trying to pick Matros's brain about what the actual under the gun opening range is in his opinion. Yeah, because um, we're like, "Oh, ten seven suited is actually a candidate." I, that's a bit of a surprise. Like, you wouldn't open like King Four suited, and and is what I asked him, and he said, "No, I wouldn't open King Four suited, but King Eight, yeah." King eight suited is probably an open. Which also seemed crazy yeah. to me. Like, like what? under the gun, nine handed? Jeez. It wouldn't even it wouldn't it's so far away from my my world to like consider that. Like King Ten suited, of course. That's where I start. Um although I, I will say, like, I was looking like yesterday I played after and it was the day after this conversation that we had with them, and I was like, Let's go with King Nine suited here, baby. You know, and I I played I played more hands like that a little bit, you know, and that was cool. I, and you know, philosophically it's one of those philosophies that I just want to like get behind without actually examining it much because it, it's more fun. It's like, <laughs> oh, I get to play more hands, and I can, I, you know, it's theoretically correct to do it too. Cool. I mean, we're also, and it is important to point out that Negr- um, sorry, Matros was saying that he's looking at it from a tournament point of view, yes. which matters because there's no rake in tournaments. Now, in Portland, where we play, there's also no rake. Yeah. You play a daily fee, a door fee, and that's it. But if you're playing cash anywhere else, playing all these hands the way we're talking about yeah. is a huge mistake because right, the right. rake will eat you alive. Yes, that so is. So you have to play, you want to play less hands when there's rake. Like, so you generally less than your so opponents. So the, the, the lesson is move to Portland if you want to do this in, in cash games. Right. Or just play tournament, play like this in tournament. Or if you're playing high enough you can, and you're paying time, then. Oh, yeah, time makes it so it's not a problem yeah. anyway. Then it doesn't matter. Right. It's all fine. Yep. Anyway, 
Anyway, so Berkey does flat out of the small blind okay. with the queen 10 off. I certainly don't hate it. It's my preferred action. Yeah. Is it your preferred action after we talk? I don't through? think it is. I fold. think I still want to fold. Fold? Yeah. Okay. I think I want a three better fold more than I want to call, but I really am okay with calling. And I'm, I may even experiment with that myself, like against certain opponents, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. This seems fine. Uh, Dan Smith is in the big blind. He has 69,000. He has 8-3 of clubs. He's closing the action. He makes the call. He's always calling. Might fold 8-3 off, but... He's definitely folding yeah. it off. <laughs> but 8-3 of clubs, he calls. Yeah. The pot is $3,400. Okay. Nitro betting is... It's your... World. Father. <laughs> <laughs> let's try it again. Let's look at a different word this time. Okay. And we'll have, okay. Nitro betting is your... Game pool time! Off. You said Gandalf? Yeah. I said pool time. Perfect. Okay. All right, so I guess that's the ad. Yep. Back to the ad. <laughs> Gray and I have shown that we really are on the same wavelength, though. Yeah. Let's try. Let's say, without saying that, on three, let's just see if we can say the same word. Any word in the English language. You ready? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go one, two, three, and then we'll say it. Okay, okay. you ready? Uh, I got my word. One, two, three. Cottage. We did it. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Nitro betting. Yep. They got... Pool time. They got Gandalf. They, they got, got Cottage. They got Dirtball. They got it all. They got it all. Which th- these could all be names of poker variants. I don't know. There's a ton of weird poker They're variants prob- out there. They probably Dirtball's got to be the yeah. name of a poker variant for sure. Gandalf yeah. probably too. Yeah, you know probably. Yeah, that's messed up, man. Uh, I just realized that if we had actually said the same word, no one would have believed it. Nope. It would have been like one of the craziest things that ever <laughs> happened. Yeah. And no one would have believed. Would all thought we had like arranged it. You know. Yeah. It's, that would really be ridiculous. Anyway, I wonder what some hack psychologist would say about the words we came up with when we were given oh. the choice to choose any words. Oh, I could tell you all about these guys. <laughs> these like, guys have got real issues with their parents and their... Just go go read the interpretation of dreams and smoke 80 cigars, Freud. You know, nice. Get over Strong. it. Get over yourself. Strong, anyway, this is a nitro betting ad. Oh, yeah. Uh, Freud is dead, so he's not going to be able to use the link Tragedy in the description. Plus time. <laughs> it's funny now because <laughs> he died. <laughs> but you didn't, not yet, and that's why you should use the link in Nitro Betting right. to Nitro Betting uh, in our uh, you know description there, because that link gets you access to all of the Poker Guys promotional shit, which is good stuff, man. It's really good stuff, man. But Grant, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. What, what would Freud say about the way you just mimicked me? He would say you are sexually attracted to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always says that. Yeah, that's, that's the only kind of kind of lands on that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all he has. That's his only move. But at the time, everybody was like blown away. They it's were like, like, that is insightful. I am <laughs> hot for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't be on Nitro Betting. It's a guarantee. <laughs> no incest is encouraged, or even will you want to do it? All your incest goes away. <laughs> <laughs> we wipe it away at Nitro. Nitro Betting wrote this ad for us, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's right. It's totally uh, approved by the Nitro Betting marketing yeah, department. We're reading Don't it worry word for it. word. Boy, <laughs> you could probably cut... Uh, this one up and uh, many of the other ones up into some pretty r- tough ads for Nitro <laughs> Yes, you could. Yes, you could. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a great site. It they really have, is. They have the Poker Guys monthly tournament. They have sports betting. They have casino games. Uh, even if you sign up for Nitrogen Sports in the past, you got to re-sign up to get access to all the promotional stuff. Yeah, so definitely do that. And we'll see you on Nitro Betting. Okay. With Gandalf and Dirtbag and all of them. All the different things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to talk real quick about all the crazy variants of poker. Okay. Just real quick, because it's fun. Yeah, you know, is. This is poker-related, before we get back to the hand. So in Portland, we've probably mentioned this briefly on the podcast before, but the culture in Portland cash games now is that, like, in some of the games, twice per orbit, there's a bomb pot. 
which is where yep. everybody puts in a certain amount of money and then everybody sees the flop and then you start betting, right? Yep. Um, but playing that hold'em is not even close to what we're doing at this point. It's like the 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 level of gamble of these people is so absurd that there's so many variants of poker. Like there's there's a shit show. Do you know what shit show is? Isn't that where you get like ten cards? You get five cards, like PLO. Um, oh, I know play, what this is. Yeah, there are ten. Bo- there's ten cards on the board. But there, right? but then it's ten cards on the board. It's six two two. Yeah, right? the flop is six cards, and and so then like come on, and man. it's a bomb pot. Like that type of shit's going on. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely bizarre. Yeah, there's tic tac toe. Yep, where you play eight different ways. <laughs> yep, they put up they put up a board, and, and you do highest, high, lowest, low. I think wins. Yeah, I it's mean, like super the not, the. The stuff that people come up with is is absurd. There's a game called Amnesia. Oh, I don't know this one. Which is, you know, it's among the most vanilla of the games to start with, which is just you get five cards, you play PLO with your five cards, high only, and there's two boards in the bomb pod, and it's a split pot game between the boards. But as the turn comes, the flops are turned over. Come so on. So you have to remember the flop. That's really And then when the ridiculous. river comes, the turns are turned over. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I've seen where they play a mystery board. So they go double board, but one of the boards is down the whole way and like play like highest, high, lowest, low. And so everyone's only betting with half the board, but half the pot and maybe the whole pot is going to go based on the other board. And I mean, it's bizarre. There's also a mystery game, which is the worst one of all. Oh my god! Which is where there's three games picked at random, and all games where you get a five card hand, and there's two boards, and you don't know until the last round of betting is complete at the end which game you were playing. I mean, so it's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we think like we've been talking and having fun with Texaha lately, yeah. which is where you get six cards and you put two cards as a hold hand, four cards as an Omaha hand, and they can never, never the twain shall meet. And it's a split pot game, and they put one board up. And yeah. that's a complicated, that's, that's a fun, crazy, complicated interesting game. game. But a lot, of, a lot of the ones I mentioned are not fun. They're just, right. like, they're just like weird, dumb You can't games. have games where there's too much concealed information, um, like the Amnesia game. I mean, you can. Deuce to Seven Single Draw is a game that people play. Not very popularly. Yeah, How true. often do you... Like, there are bracelet events of it. Right. There's yeah. bracelet events of everything, though. Like, there's not a shit show. Great point, yeah. Grant. But come on, they've been playing Deuces. They've been playing Deuces Seven forever. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a real game. Um, but like, essentially, concealed information games are not very like. You're not going to get a lot of people wanting to play those, right? Because you learn very quickly that, for example, there's a game called Tomaha where you get four cards like Omaha, but you play three cards from your from your hand instead of two and two cards from the board and two cards from the board. You have to do that. First of all, people screw that up constantly. Second of all, it means essentially at any time. All quads are available. Yep. Straight flushes are often available, and you can't see it. Yep. So, so what happens though is it ends up playing very tight mm-hmm. because you can't go, you can't lose your mind. You're just going to get destroyed if you lose your mind, right? So even if you have like bottom quads, if someone's giving you a lot of action, you could be fucked like really easily. Yeah. Right. Um, like if you put in a lot of money with top full house, you're probably a fish in that game. Yeah. You know. So like. It just what it creates is like not a lot of interest in, yep. the, in that game ultimately, as opposed to games where that's one of the beauties about Hold'em is you can see enough, and mm-hmm. even Omaha, you can see enough to understand what's possible and what isn't. What what is the nuts? Yeah, I mean, of course, you can do that with these concealed games too, but it's more reasonable. But the nuts are always like a super strong hand in those games, right? It could be it could be super weak or super strong, as opposed to like oh, the third flush card came, so now I know the nut flush is the nuts if yeah. someone has that, and like. I can be aware of that, and that's how likely that is. You have a sense of that, as opposed to these other I things. I mean, where in Tomaha, you can have multiple uh, flush types, right? You can have spades and hearts be flushes. Absolutely. You know, which is, yeah, easily. Which is dumb. 
Super dumb. Yeah. In fact, I'm sure that happens all the time. So you could have the nut flesh and lose to a better nut flesh. Yeah. You when you both have the ace high flesh, but in different suits. Right. That happens constantly, I'm sure, in that game. Yeah. Like so yeah, so there's not a lot of energy for that kind of a game though. Yeah. Thank God. I right. would never play that game. Right. Those games do not interest me. Texas has fun though. It sure is. Yeah. I like that game. Anyway. Anyway, that back, was fun. Let's go back to a reasonable game, no limit. Hold them. Hey, yes. All right. So we've got uh, Dan Smith, Matt Berkey, Daniel Negreanu, 10 six of spades for Negreanu. Berkey's got right. queen 10 off. Dan Smith has eight three of clubs. Okay, let's get to the flop. The pot is $3,400. The flop is eight of diamonds, nine of hearts, deuce of spades. A little something for everybody. Really? Negreanu and Berkey both flop gut shots. Berkey's with the two overs. Uh, and Dan Smith flops middle pair. Yep. Berkey checks. Smith checks. Mm-hmm. You want to argue for either of these guys to lead? Um... I think both of them could lead. I don't know if I may want to make a strong argument. Let's remember, Negrano's opening from the button, so mm-hmm. he's going to have a wider range. This board is going to interact with him almost as much, actually maybe more than it would interact with um, Berkey's range even when he flats there. Yeah. Berkey has a lot of like queen-jack, king-queen king, type hands as we see. Mm-hmm. Um, Negrano really does have like eight to nines and sevens and ten, seven ten and all that stuff. Berkey might be flatting some... Hands that make sets on this board other than deuces. Sometimes. He might, but not that often, right? He does. He probably has 8-9 suited. Yes, I believe he has 8-9 yeah. suited some of the time. Um, he's three-betting that some of the time, though. But yeah. sure, but sure he can have it. But Negreanu has all the sets, has top two as well. Um, probably even 9-8 off. He certainly has 9-8 suited. Uh, I think Negreanu sh- should probably have 8-9 off. So yeah. Negreanu's range is really strong here, is what I'm getting at. Plus, he's got all the overpairs. The top end of his range is really strong, but his range is expansive. So as a, yes. as a percentage right. of his range... Okay, like, that's fair. That's fair. I, don't, I wouldn't say his range is strong. Okay. Um, if we compare it, though, to, let's say, Dan Smith, I think Negreanu's got a stronger range than Dan Smith. Well, he has the overpairs in the sets. Right. And, and Dan so. Smith has a lot of crap. Yeah. Berkey's a little more interesting, right? Berkey has... His flats really constrict his range, but because there isn't that much pocket nines, pocket eights in there, like there's that's he's just going to three bet that a fair amount of the time. We would expect, but as you know, Berkey does things differently. He does, but I certainly see him often be very aggressive. Yeah, he, he likes to lean aggressive. I would be like, this is a surprise that he decided to flat the queen ten. I wouldn't have thought he'd be doing that that often mm-hmm. in this spot, and maybe he isn't. I don't know. Um, I guess I understand why these guys are checking is what I'm ultimately in. But I still think they could reasonably bet, especially Dan Smith once Berkey checks. Like, it's going to check through a lot, right? Like, yeah. a lot. And we often have the best hand. I mean, if we get action, it's... I mean, we, we're still ahead because we can be ahead of, like, Queen Jack and Jack 10. And yeah, I mean, there's some value Queen to be 10. had. There's definitely equity denial. That's what you'd be betting for. Yeah. But it, it's okay to check and like assume it's going to check through a lot, and you get to bet on a lot of turns as Dan. I mean, five years ago, I would have never considered leading this this hand as Dan Smith. Yeah, would you? I don't think no. so. No, but now I think it's something to think about. Maybe we want. I mean, then I I really I I guess I think I like a check though from both these guys ultimately because Negrano does slam this board when he when he slams it. Like, I think I think he does have the strongest range. Yeah. Okay. Well, Negreanu's going to go ahead and bet once they both check, which makes sense. Sure. He's got 10 high. He's got the gut shot. He's got a backdoor spade flush draw. Got the overcard. He bets 2200 into 3400 uh, Sized up a bit, maybe because it's a bit of a dynamic board, and he has two opponents rather than one. Um, yes to both of those things. Uh, he has a range advantage, which is, I think, which is good, but not a massive one. No. Which maybe is a reason to size it up a little bit more, too. Like, the bigger your range advantage, the less you have to 
bet on the flop. Yeah. Yep. So he bets 2,200. Yep. All right, Matt Berkey, what are you going to do? I think he's got two options here. Folding is not an option, clearly. Right. I think calling is fine. I think raising is fine. I don't okay. think you should always be raising or anything close to that. Um, I can see why you'd want to raise a lot. Um, if we raise, we can knock out Dan Smith almost always. That may open up some outs for us that don't currently exist. Not in this case, but if Dan Smith said, for example, 10-8. Sure. Um, or queen-8 or something like that, we get to have those overcards back. Um, we can take it down a lot right now. That would be great. Um, if called, it's not so bad either. If re-raised, we can just fold because this hand isn't that good. Um, so, so a raise is pretty cool. A call isn't bad, though. We're getting a pretty good price with a hand that seems to have a lot of outs. Yeah. So I think a call is okay, too. Yeah. What do you want to do? What do you prefer? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with how I expect Negreanu's C-betting range to be constructed here. Mm. Like, That's I, good. We don't know the answer, but, but I would ask myself, is Negreanu betting this with things that don't interact with the board at all? Like, is he just going to take a shot here with ace-five of diamonds? I doubt it. My guess is no. It's got two back doors. Well, that's fair. But, like, if he had king-queen off, like, I don't think he'd just fire away. So he's got to have at least something going on, you yeah. think? Yeah. That's my guess. What do you think? By the way, three back doors with uh, ace-five. Mm, exciting. So sexy. Yeah. Go that six, seven, eight, nine and make that bottom end of the straight. Let's yeah, do this. Yeah, you want that. I mean, sometimes you do. I mean, it can help. Uh, it wouldn't work this time. Oh. Not this time. Nice. I have no idea if he's firing away with ace-queen and hands like that, but I'm, I would guess not. I would um, guess not. Yeah. So that, that like, is a, a mm. favor. Uh, that's a point in favor of calling, calling versus raising because you have less fold equity. Like, obviously, fold equity is a major component of raising here if you're Berkey. You need yeah. to have a reasonable amount of fold equity to make a raise make any sense at all mm-hmm. because you have queen high. It's yep. not useful to get called. It's, I mean, sometimes you can bank something. That's great. But if you can't fold him out, it's not worth it. Of course, if Negreanu has ace-five of diamonds, maybe he is betting a hand like that because he does have the back doors, and he's definitely folding that to a raise. Uh, maybe not if we were deeper, but at this stack depth, I think. I think so. So I don't know. I mean, like, I'm, I think it's super close between calling and raising. I think both, both seem really fine to me. I think you should probably mix, right? Sometimes call, sometimes raise. Um, and it's fine. And mix could even be around 50%. I'm sure there's a solver that, in fact, we will have a solver work done on this. Well, this is three-handed, but we can get rid of Dan Smith. He's not going to stick around. Um, so, like, so the solver will tell us what it thinks. But I would think somewhere close to 50% seems pretty reasonable here. Like, sometimes we raise, sometimes we call. So you don't really know what I'm doing with this hand, you know? And you can't, it's harder to range me whichever action I take. That makes it tough for me. It makes it tough for me to get to 50% because the way I would construct that range, I would want to call when I have a backdoor flush draw with it. So it would require it to be one of three combos of queen 10 suited and raise when I don't have the backdoor flush draw. Mm. Um, so I'd, I need to only have three other combos of queen 10 unsuited in order to make that 50-50. Um, well, okay, sure. That's, that's fair, I guess. You could also think about like what unblocks Negron, what blocks or unblocks his backdoors a little bit. Yeah. So you could like... If we unblock his back doors, we could be a little less interested in raising. And if we block his back doors, we could be a little more interested in raising. Yeah. These are very minor. It's yeah, things. it's like very small little yeah. things. To I think consider. any version of that, if if you're doing but if you're doing twenty five percent raise and seventy five percent call or vice versa, it's fine too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Berkey goes with race. Fine. 
6,500 over Negreanu's 2,200. Cool. What do you think about the sizing? I like it. I think yeah. is going to have some auto folds. This hand is an interesting candidate, by the way, to auto fold here. Um, I'm curious to see what he decides to do. Uh, this also is going to, as we said, knock out a bunch of Dan Smith's range. In fact, the best hand that's going to knock that out. Yep. It's like, how is Dan Smith going to be able to continue? So I think this is interesting about Berkey, and I think he has proven in the past that he does, he kind of lives up to this, but in order to raise here reputably, you're going to have to have a wider value range, right? If you're going right. to raise queen 10 here. You almost have to have like ace nine suited. And, and I stuff. think he does. I think he does too. Yeah. So that's good for him. I agree. He absolutely can have good one pair of hands here. Yeah. Which is, you kind of need to if you're going to raise this He hand. would have had to call pre with ace nine suited, which I bet he does at least some of the time yeah. if he's calling this hand. And then he needs to raise it, which I bet he does some of the time he if he's raising this nine, hand. might raise nine ten suited, which you could probably yep. call pre flop. I, I, I think he's probably raising a bunch of his top pairs. I agree with you. So any nine he has, he might raise. Uh, yeah, like not always, but a bunch of the time. Yeah. Right? yeah. To allow him to raise hands like this. Yep. Um, it's cool. That, I, I have to say, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's really going to bite you in the butt, but it's an interesting, creates a whole set of problems for a thinking player. Yes, it does. Um, so Dan Smith with his, his middle pair in the best hand folds. Yes, of course he does. All right, so you were wondering what Negreanu should do. So what do you think? It's back to you, closing the action. No Dan Smith anymore. All right, let's do some math. Uh, so the pot is going to have, we're going to have 8,700 to what's already in the pot. That's 90. It's like 12.1. In fact, it's $12,100 right now. It's 4,300 to call. And how deep is Berkey? How much does Berkey have left is my question. Like 48K? Yeah, 47 maybe. Um, 4,000 to win like, if we win it all, like 59. So it's almost 15 to 1. I guess we can call. Because we're going to hit, we're actually going to bang it on the turn one out of 11 times anyway. Like, so we're getting the right pure odds. Assuming we can get it all from Berkey if we hit it, but it's going to be really hidden. So he could have like top two and just absolutely Yeah, but it is off. also a bit of a problem straight draw. Yeah, because if Jack 10 yeah, is out Berkey there. Yeah, Berkey could have Jack 10 very easily. Yep. And clearly he played Jack 10 like this at least some of the time. Yeah. And he's playing Queen 10 like this. That is a great point. If we're up against Jack 10, we are in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that, that um, should be going through Negreanu's head. We also have a backdoor spade draw. I mean, this has got to be one of the worst hands we ever bet on this flop, right? This yeah. is an awful hand. We could comfortably throw this away. I think we're supposed to throw this away because of the Jack-10 problem. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it, having the backdoor spade draw is tempting. Yeah. We're going to have a backdoor draw with this hand, though, 75% of the time. We're probably not going to open 10-6 off on the button. We don't get there. Very, I mean, a backdoor draw comes in like 4% of the time or 3% of the time. But I mean, it gives it's, you... It's it, nice, It emboldens you on the turn to do stuff. It does. No, that's absolutely true. There's a playability thing there, for sure. But I'm just saying, like... It's you're, like you're saying, you're just going to have a lot of backdoors. Like, if you're playing suited hands, you have a lot of backdoors, which yeah. is cool, but also can get you in lots of trouble if you're like, well, I can call... This yeah. race that I otherwise wouldn't have called just because of it. I think this should just be like, if it, everything is essentially super close, this can push us over the top. I don't think it should be, I wasn't going to call, but now I am, mm. you know, for something like this, for this, not even a nut backdoor draw. So you want to fold? I think I want to fold. What do you want to do? I don't know, man. The Jack 10 thing does suck. It really sucks. But if we as Negranu believe that Berkey is raising a lot of one pair hands here, we, that, do, we have to believe that. That's good. Yep. That's good for, for this hand. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that means we're not in trouble as often when the seven comes because Jack-10 makes up a smaller swath of Berkey's range than it would from a more traditional raise range. So that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. That's true. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I think I would end up calling because I have position in the back door, like when I was sitting there. But if I thought about it a long time with the Jack 10 stuff, I might fold anyway, even though Berkey's got a wider range. I mean, another problem is not only is Jack 10 got us in real trouble if a seven comes, like we're screwed. Yeah. But like our overcard is covered by Jack 10, by Queen 10, and by 910. Yeah. Those are all pretty good candidates to raise, knowing Berkey's raising range some yeah. of the time. Like his value range here is, or not value range, but, but 910 really might be part of his value raising range here. Yes, it might. And that's so that, so like you can't like count on that overcard the way you might be able to against other opponents more of the time. So that isn't great either. That makes me want to fold a little more. Yeah. I mean, that's always a a danger, of course, but it feels like it's a... Since he can have 9-10 and do this, when most players can't, that changes things a little bit for me. Yeah, I think it's close. Negreanu ends up calling because he's Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, he's obviously not going to pull. He's He's a massive station. Yeah, he's calling. He calls. Yeah. What do you think? 100%. Yeah, you fools thought he was going to fold. That was dumb. Yeah. 16,400 in the pot. Okay. Eight of diamonds, deuce of spades, nine of hearts. Negrano's got 10 and 6 of spades. Berkey's got queen 10 off the turn. Is the 5 of spades bringing in the backdoor flush draw yep. for Negrano? So he now has a, the two draws. That's a good card. Yep. It's a pretty damn good card. It does complete 6-7. It does. We block that, though. We could That's rep that if we want to as Negrano. Uh, yes, we can. Yeah. All right. Do you want to keep going if you're Matt Berkey? Yes. Okay. That was a quick answer. Let's uh, let's hear the reasoning. Um, because I don't really know what else to do at this point. If I'm Matt Burke, like I guess yes, I can, please. Let me I bet. can I can check fold. Um, look at look at what Negrano actually called our check raise with. This means he's got a huge amount of calls on the flop that we can easily move. Now, not this hand because he picked up spades, but think about all the other hands that are just going to have to fold when we bet on the turn, like. I think, we're, I think if we check-raise this against Sandra Grande, who's often only betting if he interacts with the board in some way on the flop anyway, and as we see, he's calling with this hand. If it's not a multi-street plan, I don't know why we're check-raising. Like, it's, we shouldn't think we're going to get it through that often on the flop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the issue being that we don't have 6-7, and that's part of Negrano's range. Yep. That is the issue. But yeah. we still have a draw to the nuts. Yeah. And overs. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, Berkey's going to bet. Gonna, I think he's supposed to. I, I think he probably is, too. It just it becomes a tricky spot now. I mean, you know, if, if it, we get raised, it's easy. It's yep. only if Negrano calls that it gets tricky, really. Like, everything else is easy. Well, let's hope he doesn't call then. Well, I, the problem is Daniel Negrano really likes to call. He does. He loves it. But he, this hand, maybe he won't, Grant. Wouldn't this be wild if Negrano just moves in and Berkey snap calls with Queen Ice? Like, I think I'm good here. That'd be incredible. He's like Stu Unger, man. Yeah. It's like I call you. With- I put you on 10 6 exactly. <laughs> or Jack 10. I put you on Jack 10. No, Stu Unger called with 10 high because he put the guy on 4 5, right? I think that's right. Yeah. And was right. Yeah. Unlike Tom Dwan, who's never right when he does that. <laughs> oh, for two, buddy. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So Berkey bets 10K into 16 4. Yep. Negrano still just has the gut shot. Oh, excuse me. My voice cracked. Uh, it does not. Make it a double gutter, even though when I first looked at this hand, I was like, he has a double gutter now because I'm an idiot. Yes. No, still the, just the same gut shot. Right. <laughs> he needs a seven. <laughs> um, okay. So Berkey has bet 10K. He's got 37K back. The pot is $26,400 after Berkey's bet. Yeah. What do you want to do as Negrano? Okay. My first inclination is to put the money in all of it right now. Yeah. There's a few reasons why. Number one. 
Do you, do you have any? Do you have any? You just went blank. I don't know what happened there. I just like everything stopped working for a second. Number one. Hit yourself um, in the head a few times like, in a, weird. like in a movie. That happens to humans, I guess. So I said there were a couple reasons why. Now you have, to come, up with them. Them. You have yeah, to come up with more sucks. than one. Reason. I can think of one right now. But okay. Well, one reason is because we have 10 high and we don't get there that often, right? Like yeah. we have 12 outs. Yeah. Um, it actually turns out a six is good if we hit it, but like we would not think that, and we're going to get bluffed off that really easy on the river. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Two is that um, I guess we would we're not in a spot where we're ever going to show down this hand like as ten high, right? If like like we make a call, but like if we call here and Berkey were to check any river, we're not just going to check back with ten highs because we don't have to worry about being up against Jack ten or Queen ten, for example, like he has, and have it go check check on the river and let's lose because that would be awful. Yeah. Um, so I assume we're not going to let that happen, but we only get there 25% of the time or something with our 12 outs. Um, we've got to have some fold equity here. Like I can think of hands that Berkey can absolutely fold, especially because his raising range is thinner than a lot of other players. Is he going to call top pair if we shove here? I don't know that he's going to do that. And here's the other thing. We've done a bunch of Berkey hands as Matt Berkey can attest. And he makes a lot of tight folds, like a lot. Like, I mean, I think he thinks them through, don't get me wrong, and I don't, like, hate his folds, but he's definitely on the tighter side once someone shows aggression. In this way, it looks like Negrano may have a set of nines or a set of eights or six, seven um, very easily, and he's going to fold. I mean, he's calling with his, like, you know, sets. Yeah. But I don't know how many sets he really has, but he's calling with them. Um, if he has top two, I guess he's calling. I'm not even 100% sure. We've if seen he has fold. six, seven, he's calling. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, we have outs against that, though. We get there, you know, we, we actually beat yeah. it 25% of the time if he has 6-7. Yeah. It's actually not so bad. Well, a little less because one of the sevens is dead. Right. But still, that's pretty good um, considering that's pretty unlucky since we block it, right? Yeah. We block the nuts. We can absolutely have the nuts. He's got a thinner value range than most, and he makes tight folds. All this says to me, and we only get there 25% of the time, all this says to me, let's move in right now with, with by the way, the right stack size to do it. Yeah, the things that I would say on the other side of it, although I do agree with a lot of what you said, is yeah. Berkey could absolutely have 6-7. Of course he can. Which sucks. Uh, you know, that's yeah. too bad. Um, also, are we sure he's betting all of the the thinnish value check raises on the flop on the turn when 6-7 comes in? That's a great question. Like, is he betting 9-10 now? I, I don't know. don't know. He may not be. I wouldn't expect him to. Hmm. That's interesting. He's not, if he's not betting any of his one pair of hands, that changes things kind of dramatically because now what can we actually beat? Much yeah. less. Now it can be queen 10, jack 10. Queen jack. Queen jack. Um, if he turned... I mean, sometimes these guys, you know, will turn weird hands into a bluff, like one pair of hands into a bluff. I, it's hard to see him doing that with an eight or a nine, and I don't know what deuce he's going to have that he's going to do that with either. So probably can't, can't have one pair here. Um, Oh, he could have had a gut shot with um, the, a five in his hand somehow. Five, seven? Suited? God, that's, ru- that's hard to yeah. believe. I guess it's possible, but it seems pretty unlikely. Yeah. Um, and then he turns the five somehow. He had two back doors, like ace, X of whatever, had two back doors and turned to five. So he checks. I mean, that seems crazy, too. Like, he's just going to keep going, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's going to. He just knows he has to bluff most of the time when he gets called. When he, and so he bluffs the five. I don't know what he's doing with the five. There's not much here if, if he's not going to bet top pair. Yeah, I'm not sure. He might bet top pair. He's not Berkey. He does different stuff. He might. Because he's going to check call it anyway. So he might bet it. And he's like, well, if Negrano moves in, I can just fold. Like, Yeah. 
a thing in favor of Negreanu moving in yeah. is he has the spades, which of course is good for his outs, but also means that of the three combos that are somewhat problematic for Negreanu, um, that are the straight draws that are bigger than his that are still beating him, and if they go to showdown, will win. Uh, he blocks two of the spade combos, which will call, and mm-hmm. the non-spade combos are going to have to fold. That's, of course, jack tennis spades, queen tennis spades, and queen jack of spades yeah. are the three you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yep. good. That is nice. Yeah. That's true. I think I, I lean towards a move in. I think I like it best. I think we should just move in, man. Like, there's only 27K. Oh, no, there's 37K back, and the pot, if we call, will have... 36,400 in it. Yeah. It's like set up beautifully for this. And I guess we could be concerned that Berkey's setting up a river shove. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that doesn't have to be for value. No, it does not. Um, and you could just be threatening that anyway. It just feels like really natural to move in here. And if we get called, we still get there sometimes. You know, yep. like it isn't like we've got a gut shot. We have a gut shot and a flush draw. It's beautiful, maybe. I prefer a move in. Yeah. Negreanu calls. Okay. He's Negreanu. I mean, okay, he's in position at least. Yeah. He gets to, you know, Berkey's going to shut down sometimes when he's bluffing, but it does really suck when Berkey doesn't shut down and you lose to queen high. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, at least we only have 10 high ourselves, but like we could have won that one. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it looks, I mean, it's kind of set up for Daniel to not, not get this one. Not, this isn't going to work out very often for him now, right? Well, one benefit of this call is that Matt Berkey is now very uncomfortable, and you can revel in that as Daniel Negreanu. That is true. Berkey's like, God. If you just moved in, this could just be over, and I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, we've all been there where you're, you make the bet, and you're like kind of rooting for the guy to move in rather than call you, right? Because yeah. you're like, I don't have anything. Often it's like, and I'm not going to have anything at yeah. this point. So like, please just move in. Don't make me, don't make me have to maybe put more money in on the next <laughs> <screen>. <laughs> You know? Bastard. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a benefit to calling. Get, get to make him sweat a little bit. Mm. All right. 36,400 in the pot. Yep. Eight of diamonds, deuce of spades, nine of hearts, five of spades, board. Negrano's got 10, six of spades. Berkey's got queen, 10 off. Yep. The river's the ace of hearts. Yep. Queen high against 10 high. Queen high is good, bro. Just, Berkey should just know that. Just ship him the chips, man. It's, it's obvious queen high is good here, and he All should right. know it. So should Matt Berkey go for it? And if he does, should he go all in for pot or should he bet smaller? Good second question. Okay. I think he should go for it. I don't think this ace is a big hits a big part of Daniel's range at all. He has ace nine, maybe ace eight in his range. Maybe he had two back doors with the ace X of spades. And now he's hit the ace. Is he even going to call if we shove? I don't know that he is. He's got a set of aces that he's going to call with. Yes, he He, has that. He'll play that exactly this way. But there's less combos of aces than there was before, and he was probably going to call with aces anyway. So this is maybe a good card for us, not a bad card in terms of that. Um, He will insta-call, of course, but it's fine. Yeah. I think we're supposed to go for it here. Like, we're repping a good hand. We can absolutely have top two. And maybe we made a play with the backdoor flush draw ourselves. You know, the backdoor spades. Mm -hmm. um, Not flush draw, whatever. And turned... It and you know, turn the spade draw so we continued, and now the ace comes and we shove because it's a pot size bet. And we're like, I hope to get value out of jacks or something. Like, if I check, he's just checking it back. Well, anyway. would that be a if you're trying to do that type of representation? Would it be better to bet smaller? That's the question. Um, with a pot size bet, could we bet 30k and have it be the same value and so same effectiveness? And question one, question two, if we had a set of nines here, would we really only bet 30k or would we just go? I was for thinking it? more like 20k. You oh, know, really? Something a lot more different than the actual all-in for 37. I feel like against Negreanu, it's a mistake to bet that small. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we have to bet at least 30 and probably all of it. 
Yeah. Like let's 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 get every let's squeeze every drop of fold equity we can out of these chips if we can. If we got to put in another five thousand more, seven thousand more. Right, but as you know, uh, more chips does not always mean more fold equity. In this case, I kind of think it does. I think I think Negreanu is trying to be mathy in these spots to some degree. I mean, he mostly just calls, of course. Yeah. But pretty mathy, and so, you know, the worse price, the more likely he's going to fold. Is my guess. Maybe. That ace feels like it could be bad for him. We can have ace nine, right? Like. He can have ace nine too, I guess. He, can. He, can both. He, he actually has probably more combos of ace nine than we do. Actually. He also has maybe ace eight, and we kind of don't have ace eight. I don't see how we have ace eight when we bet the turn, right? Yeah. We can make we can raise the flop, but we can't bet the turn. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Huh. That's not great that we actually maybe he has more aces than we do because of that. Right. Yeah. He has all the ace nines and ace eight too. Yeah. And we have only a few ace nines. But still, mostly this ace doesn't hit him. Mostly not. But what does he have then? If he has jacks, is he just going to call anyway if we shove? I don't know. I don't know either. He is Negrano. He loves to call. Maybe if you're Berkey, you're just like, I just can't keep going because this guy calls too if much. If Berkey were to move in, do you think he can reason- reasonably be repping a singular ace like that had the back door not flush draw that came in on the turn and then hit the ace on the river? That's a really good question. Because the question is, can I get Jax to call now? Yeah. Right? Not can I get Jax to fold? Because it's Negranu, maybe we can do that. Maybe. Maybe we can do that. It also, I mean, the good news is it looks a little weird and desperate that Ace isn't supposed to do anything for Berkey. Yeah. Right? Um, so either he already has a monster, and the only monsters he have that are really obvious is 9-8 or Pocket Deuces. I guess Pocket Deuces is right there, though. Um, I guess an Ace-9. You can have ace nine. Yeah. Um, and six seven. Oh, six seven's there too. Yeah. I think he's supposed to move in. I think he's supposed to say, I can have six seven, sucker. I can have six seven, sucker. <laughs> Negrano has more six seven, though. Um, he probably has unsuited combos. I don't know if he does or not. He very well may. Certainly, Berkey doesn't. So, yeah. Negrano at worst has the same amount of six seven, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it. Evens out a little bit because Negrano didn't raise the turn. He might raise the turn with 6-7 a decent amount of the time. Mm-hmm. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe with a pot size bet back, he's just not raising. I think if I were Negrano against Matt Berkey, I'd probably just call. Yeah. Especially thinking like this guy likes to make some tight folds and he might blast off. He definitely is known for sometimes blasting off. And I'm in position. Like this is a really beautiful setup to just call here. Like if he goes runner, runner, spades on me, so be it. You know, this is in the world where Daniel has 6-7, not of spades. Um, so be it. Like, but let's do, let's, let's try and capture the biggest pot possible. So I think, I think he is calling a lot with six, seven. So you're still leaning towards moving in though, is Berkey. I kind of, I feel like we've created this whole thing. Yeah. I want to move in. So we're targeting mostly pocket pairs between the nine and the ACE and nines. Yeah. I think Not a set right. of nines, obviously, but other nines. And I, yeah. And I, if Negrano can never have any eights left in yeah. his range, I don't know if he can or not, but if he can, yeah, sure. Eights, I think we, I think we'd always fold out the eight, eight, seven and eight, six. There you go. Yeah. Um, and maybe you can have maybe we can fold out a bunch of nines too that aren't ace nine or yeah. two pairs, you know, maybe even all the nines. Um, I think we're gonna be pretty successful with this. I think this is gonna get through enough. Yeah, I'm concerned about the six seven and the slow plays, but yeah, it's fine. That is the problem. I think you're right, but I think it's really close. I do too. Berkey ends up checking. I cannot hate this. No. It looks it doesn't look great on TV when Daniel's got ten high and we've got queen high, and now Daniel's got a great opportunity to win this pot that he never was going to win, but Negrano is such a calling station. It's it's not automatic at all. It is not. The trigger. 
All right. As Negreanu, is it automatic to pull the trigger now that you've been checked to? Well, now it'd be very surprising for Berkey to have a true monster. Right? It would, with a pot size bet back. Exactly. If he has 9-8, is he not just going to move in just in case? Like, he figures he's calling it off anyway against all better hands. So move in, just get called by the calling station's worst hands. I think you do move in with 9-8. Well, there are the opportunities like this where Negreanu now has a wide open 10 high that might take right. a shot. So 9-8 right. could get value from that. Hand. That's true. But we could do that with some of our one-pair hands, too. Like, yeah. just our nines yeah. that we play this way. King-9 or something like that, suited. Yeah. Queen nine suited. Berkey might have that stuff. I don't know. Um, certainly ten nine suited. Could consider calling mm-hmm. if we check here, because it's hard for Daniel to have an ace. There's a few, but it's hard. Um, I think we we have a six in our hand. That's pretty great. Berkey doesn't have the nuts almost ever, or even a super strong hand almost ever with a pot size bet. Back. Yeah, and we can have the nuts because we would call the turn sometimes at least. We absolutely have also ace ace ace. We have ace nine for sure. Yeah, we might have ace eight. Um. We, we can have 6-7, and we block 6-7. I think we're absolutely supposed to move in. All right. Negreanu does. Yeah. Is it good to move in or bet smaller? Ah, back to that same question. Yeah. I think betting smaller is okay here, but I still want to size it up. I don't want to bet 20,000, but I think 25,000 might do the trick. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he wants to make sure he folds out Berkey's nines. Right. Which maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe Berkey calls with the same frequency I don't know. between those sizes. I'm not really sure. It's hard to say. With a pot size bet back, yeah, I'm not sure either. And um, you know that Berkey folds, otherwise there would have been more than one suggester. I mean, if Berkey called this, we would have done this as the moment it happened, and if not before, have, probably before it happened. There would have been 25 suggestors. More, yeah. I think more, because this would be, I mean, this would be the hand that people talk about for years yeah. if he made this call correctly. But he, he doesn't even think about of it. Of course not. He just lets it go. He has to. Yeah. But very interesting decisions along the way. Yeah, it's weird. There were a lot of very close ones, and I don't know if there was anything that was especially, in our opinion, like where we think that's like, geez, we really wouldn't have done that. We would have moved in on the turn as Negrano, we think, right? Mm-hmm. That's about it. And even then, it's like, eh, it's not that bad to go. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, in our opinion, of course. Like, I'm sure Daniel's got a whole host of reasons, so on and so forth. Interesting. Yeah, let's see what the solver had to say. Time to see what the solver had to say about these paragons of poker. Sure. Daniel Negreanu and Matthew Berkey. <laughs> this was done by Danny Sprung. Yeah. Uh, you can find Danny's full works on our Discord in the channel that we create for this, this hand. full works? That sounds like all of the art that he's made. Yeah, he's like Da Vinci. He's exactly like Da Vinci. So it's not just art. It's machines. Sure. It's plans. It's diagrams. It's also the dirty stuff that you don't know Whoa. about that Da Vinci did. Yeah, all the sex stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Da did, yeah. Let's go back to the flop. <laughs> Uh, not not much of note uh, from Pio's perspective on the flop as far as what these players decide to do. Everything is fine. The only thing of note is that Berkey's only supposed to raise 30% of the time with Queen 10, but, you know, 30% is still a chunky percentage, and it's totally fine to do that. Yeah, he might only be raising 30% yeah. of the time, too. And Negreanu is 100% calling with his hand and uh, never raising. So, interesting stuff. Cool. Uh, on the turn, Berkey is supposed to continue. Pio prefers he go bigger, though. Danny gave the option to bet 90% rather than 60% of pot, and Pio... Always chooses that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is where the play starts to deviate a lot more from what the solver wants to do. It's with Negreanu's call. The solver very much prefers a jam. Wants yeah. to shove 93% of the time, call 7% of the time. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, like, Negreanu has 10 high. He, we're, we're setting, I think he's got, like, a pot back, right? Like, it, it's not crazy. It's, it's, yeah, about a pot back. It's, it's not crazy at all that the solver would want that. And, you know, I, I remember we talked about that. As yeah. 
Right. I mean, I guess, I guess the question is if he has fold equity. Of course he does. Yeah, you could you could assume you might not. Yeah, but is, against Berkey, you should probably assume you have fold equity most yes. of the time. And, of course, in this case, you definitely have fold equity. And, you know, when called, you still get there a reasonable amount of the time. So you can see why the solver's into it. Although you're up against a pretty bad hand to be up against. But anyway, it's Well, fine. you're never getting called against that yeah. hand. <laughs> that hand is never calling. Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. Unless Berkey's just like, we don't, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do, I'm, I'm gonna, know, I'm do it. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Yeah. All right. On the river. Okay. Uh, here's an interesting output from the solver, which we can probably just chalk up to the solver randomness, but maybe we can find something else. Berkey is supposed to jam with queen 10 off if he has the 10 of spades, but not if he has queen 10 off with the queen of spades. So he did it right by checking because he has the queen of spades. But why the 10 of spades is a jam and the queen of spades is not is not very clear to me. Well, yeah, like looking at the board, it's the two of spades on the flop and the five of spades on the turn. So the 10 or the queen doesn't like, neither one of them would ever block a straight flush or anything like that, yeah. which is the first thing I would be thinking about. Um, because of, the, or even a straight flush draw, um, I don't know. I, I believe it's just the, the solver sort of doing a coin flip here and picking one. One potential thing that made I just realized is maybe yeah. it's because Negranu... When he has a flush draw with showdown value, it more likely contains the queen of spades than the ten of spades. So Negrano is more likely to have the queen of spades in his hand when Negrano has a flush draw, perhaps. Because he could have like uh, ace queen of spades or something like that and actually think he has show- enough showdown but, value to call the turn. But Negrano called the check raise on the flop. He can't do it with ace queen of spades very often. He's Negrano. He likes yeah, to Yeah, he, he might. But I, would, I wouldn't think the solver would, would solve yeah, for that. That was, my, like best, that was my best often. stab at it. I'm not really sure. I think it needs a little more equity than that, I think. I don't know. Anyway, that's what the solver wants to do. So I guess Berkey did it exactly right. Nice job. And so did Negranu. He's supposed to jam because he's got the bottom of his range and Pio wants to jam the bottom of the range. It's one of those things where you're like, well, how bad can it be? Right? Yeah. Like it just has to get, it doesn't have to get through that often. It's fine. And of course, Berkey is supposed to call. He did it wrong. <laughs> With queen higher. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, queen high, nice. you have to call because you block a queen and a 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you have the, and you do have the, uh, the queen of spades in your hand, not the 10 of spades. Right. So that's, that's why you check call. <laughs> yeah. Of course, no, it's an easy not. fold. Yeah. All right. Solved. Done. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.